1: Hello everybody and welcome to the Talking City podcast brought to you by the Manchester Evening News. My name is Dan Murphy and joining me today is Mr Stu Brennan. Stuart, how is it going? Fine, thank you. Very good. And also with us today is Mr Simon Wachowski, fresh off a nice weekend off. Si, how is it going?
2: Yeah, very well. Very very refreshed. Yeah, how are you, Dan?
1: I, I'm, I'm very good. I'm very good indeed, thank you. And uh, even though I'm not a Manchester City fan, I got to witness another amazing Champions League semi-final last night and City, finally after years of heartbreak and years of hurt have made it to their first ever Champions League final they beat PSG 2-0 at the Etihad on Tuesday night both goals coming from Riyad Mahrez in a game that had absolutely everything amazing um, pieces of skill and opportunities and heart-in-mouth moments and then absolute anarchy in the final stages when in classic kind of or fashion as these teams are known for PSG, just like they did in the first leg Absolutely lost their heads. Got a player sent off, and I don't know. I don't know what Paul Gabriel Jesus had done, but Christ alive, he got a batter in, in the five minutes he was on the pitch. But Stu, man, I don't even know where we start in a game where literally every single City player, even Edison, who didn't have a save to make, still had a hand in a, in the second goal. I don't know where we start in such an amazing game. But man, I'm going to give the task to you.
0: Well, like you say, I thought I'd, I tweeted last night from one to eleven. The hero was every single one of them. It wasn't a bad performance. There were several extremely good performances and two or three outstanding, world-class performances. I mean, you've got a team that's operating along those lines. You, you can't go, you can't go very far wrong. Uh, obviously, the feature that that people have been talking about is the defence, and that is a big difference. You know, that's why sitting in the Champions League final, they've been very, very good for the past eight, nine years, ten years, in terms of attacking, uh, and they've had good defenders in that time. You think of Vincent Company and. Zabaleta and Jolien Lescott, and, and one or two others, but they've not had a defence like this. And there are two aspects to defending there's the organisational, the tactical side, and having players who know how to defend. But there's also the just sheer guts of it, you know. And we saw that, we saw both sides last night. I thought they were organised brilliantly, they were working as a team, the back four, and, you know, the other players in front of them. And then when it came down to it and when the chances came, you saw Ruben Diaz throwing his face in the way of one. Right from the start, we saw Fernandinho stretching to put his head on a, a Neymar free kick, which was in big contrast when you remember back to the first leg when two PSG defenders couldn't get out of the way of his free kick fast enough. And that's the difference. You know, the City were better in all aspects, but they wanted it more. And they were prepared to put the bodies on the line and the faces on the line to get it. Uh, and that that was the, well, all, all three aspects really were, were were key, but that was so important, I think, for this City team going forward. They've now got another dimension to the game. We always know they've been brilliant for four years now, but now they've just got sheer bloody mindedness and guts to go along with it.
1: I think we pointed out earlier this season when City kind of had a poor start to the campaign, the worst under Guardiola, and then they had that change when Guardiola kind of realised his usual style of play wasn't working, and he had to go to not a more defensive-minded, but more controlled, more sitting deep, not always pressing. Sometimes it's okay if you've got the lead, sometimes it's okay to take that lead and just secure it. I think that evolution that we've seen this season, which has seen City come from like in the dumps at October, November time. So win the league at an absolute canter. You imagine. I think we saw the uh, the final kind of pinnacle of that evolution against Paris Saint-Germain I think I think it was a performance that really struck me one moment that really struck me out of everything else apart of, you know the blocks and the you know all that kind of takes headlights but there was a moment I think it was in the first half when Gundogan lost the ball around the center circle and um, when, when City were trying to kind of launch a counter-attack and so Foden and Zinchenko and uh, Mahrez had all bombed forward but then within two seconds of Gundogan losing it they were all back Every single one of them were back and they made the pitch so small. And it's kind of it's kind of going back. I'll, follow me on this journey where we go down to quite um pretentious football talk. But, you know, Guardiola's main influence on his coach career is Johan Cruyff, Mikkel's total football. The whole point of, you know, the definition of it is you make the pitch as big as possible when you've got the ball and you make it small as possible when you don't. And that's exactly what Guardiola was doing last night. As soon as they lost the ball, they were so in, they were so compact. Neymar, who in a, I thought he had a good first half, but he just it was just completely kind of suffocated out of the game. PSG, they didn't have a single shot on target in the Champions League semi-final side. And I think that it's up there, one of Pep Guardiola's best ever European performances, and that includes all the
2: amazing ones he had at Barcelona. Yeah, I would agree. And the more that we see from this City team, the more it looks like one of Guardiola's biggest achievements. Getting as far as they have without a recognised striker has been pretty incredible. The defensive stats speak for themselves to have conceded two goals in the knockout stage and three goals in their entire Champions League journey this year is, um, is incredible. Um, you know, against Monaco when they went out, they conceded six across the two games against Liverpool. It was five against Tottenham. It was four against Lyon. It was three. And uh, to, to keep, you know, Borussia Dortmund and Erling Haaland to one goal over two game, uh, to two goals over two games, and then PSG to just one is, is a remarkable feat and i think yeah as you say sort of city went away from the principles that guardiola looks earlier in the season because guardiola felt that they needed some defensive reinforcement they weren't great last season they were exposed too often they weren't defending as a unit so his response to that was for them to sort of tighten up and squash together but like you say that neglected the space to run on it in attack when they did have the ball because they were scared of getting of getting caught and not having the support, but they've now perfected that balance. And uh, it, there's been, you know, some fair talk, some unfair talk, I should say, of sort of, um, you know, why isn't this seen as like a, a fairy tale win or, you know, why, why are people sort of trying to downgrade the City performance? But I think, you know, they didn't play like a team that were in the second semi-final and the first under Guardiola. They played like absolute masters of the competition, like Real Madrid. And uh, and it was just a thoroughly impressive win.
1: Yeah, as I say, like, so I think every, as Stu says, every single player kind of left a heart on the pitch and no one let themselves down. And it's going to be hard to kind of talk about every individual um, one by one because I say, everyone played so well. But if, if we pick one or two each who we thought were really good for me, Stu, Alex Zinchenko on there, he came on in the second, in the first leg at around the 60 minute mark for Cancelo. And immediately, City looked just so much more kind of. I like Cancel and I think he's really good, but he might not be quite as kind of composed on the ball as Zinchenko is. No matter how much pressure he's on in his left corner, he always looks for like a nice one-two with you know his lookalike alike in De Bruyne. And immediately, so many times in the second leg, City kind of work, attacks are originating from that left-back position. And then again, you know, he's not a natural um, mid uh, defender as we've said, and we've said so many times that City left-back is a position they could go and reinforce. But Zinchenko, I don't think that is a need anymore because Zinchenko yesterday put in one of his best defensive displays as well. There was at one stage when, um, as I'm sure talk about it, Neymar was cutting inside, cutting inside, looked like he was going to shoot. And before the time he finally did, Zinchenko was there to block it. Stones, who had made an early mistake leading up to that, celebrated with him because I think he knew he'd baker and had been saved by him. And yeah, for me, and then, you know, the the tears on the pitch from him at full time just shows he's like the most unlikely of city heroes out of everyone, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, his development has been one of the stories of this Guardiola team. You remember, he was, he was an attacking midfielder who who was moved there out of desperation because he, they'd lost Mendy, um, then they lost Fabian Delph as well, and they just put Zinchenko there, and everybody was thought, well, he's, he's great when he's moving forward because he's moving into positions that he's used to playing for Ukraine. You know, he, play, he plays in a, an attacking midfield position, but... You know, people worried about, well, that's all very well when, when City are dominating teams and they're sitting on top of teams and playing in the opposition half. But how will they go when you come up against somebody who is going to attack you? And that's exactly what happened last night. You know, he's up against Neymar, he's up against Angel de Maria, you know, two of the world's top players. And he coped brilliantly. You know, he's he's added to his game. He's, he's added defensive worth to to a game that was strong going forward. Uh, one thing that, I mean, the, the moment that struck me, uh, obviously that the block that you talked about that we're celebrating, but everyone raved about Edison's pass for the for the opening goal. But for me, Zinchenko's, uh did obviously worked on it on the training ground, but Zinchenko's, you know, he timed his run absolutely perfectly, which was the easy bit, I guess. Uh, but then he's got the ball, it's on a, an icy pitch, you know, you, it, it was causing one or two problems for City, I think, in those early stages. And I I was looking at him thinking he just whipped the ball in. I think Foden had made a run down the centre forward position. And he just thinking, whip the ball in, Foden's got a chance. But he had a really quick look before he he took his first touch. And instead of doing that, he played the smart ball, which was back to De Bruyne. And that's what created the goal. De Bruyne didn't hit hit it right, but it goes to Marez and and it's 1 0. So, you know, Zinchenko's decision making there, his touch. He's, he's, passing, he's passing his immaculate most of the time. You know, everything was absolutely bang on. And then when you add in the fact that he's he's, he's defending, you know, the, the lad deserves so much credit because a number of times he's been heading out the door. You know, we've been talking about West Ham being for him, Newcastle, you know, these sort of second tier clubs, if you like, in the Premier League. And each time he said no and backed himself to To, uh, to manage, it. I, mem- I remember him playing very early when he when he first got into the squad. And City went over to Huddersfield on a miserable, wet, icy night, and uh, he impressed Guardiola massively because th- when the coach pulled back into the the, the CFA the, the training ground, he didn't go home. He went straight in the gym uh, to do some work, and I remember I remember hearing that Guardiola was like hugely impressed by that attitude. You know that that will to succeed. And I think that's what was probably behind the tears, you know, when he's on the pitch at the end last night. He's he's on his knees. He looked like he'd lost. But I suspect that was just a, a quick reflection on just how far he's come and how, how far this team has come as well.
1: Another kind of big game player who's really come clutch in the last, um, in 2021, he's scoring big goals in big games, scored the winner in the first leg side and then the two um, on Tuesday night, Riyad Mahrez. He's kind of I feel like a lot of people kind of under, underappreciate him at City, he's never kind of come across as the big game player, never really had a moment to really kind of, you know, stamp his time on City on, that's really made him memorable, but he's, by Christ, he's got that now.
2: He's uh, always been a funny one, I mean, they they signed him after the 17-18 season, when they just, you know, won the league with 100 points, it was like, well, do do you need another forward? Am I getting that right? They signed him then. Yeah, they did. 2018. Yeah, uh, and you, you were a bit unsure of what he would bring because his game sort of always been very individualistic and City are very much a, a collective, a team. And he has had big moments, you know. The, he had that sort of unfortunate big moment against Liverpool at Anfield when he, he blazed it over the bar. But he's always stood up. I remember, I think he played shortly after the, the Leicester tragedy and... And Guardiola said, you know, I didn't even have to ask him about playing. He was ready to play. Um, he came back from the African Cup of Nations the other year, sort of really keen to play, even though he barely had any time off. Um, he scored a great goal at Brighton on the last day of the 18-19 the season to help City win the league. So he has that big moment, but it, it has always felt like they've been kind of isolated and there's not been that stretch of form together. But he's really changed that this year. He's been... a a phenomenal asset to the team. You've just not been able to to get him out of it. I think playing without a recognised striker helps him, um, because there are sort of two players in front of him that can divert attention away. But he he's got he's always had the attributes, but he's uh, he's fitting better to this formation and he's scoring. The mentality's always been there, and uh, and now it's really paying off.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think again, there's so many players who played well tonight. I thought Kyle Walker was. Brilliant, and if he hasn't played his way into Gareth Southgate's starting eleven for the upcoming Euros, I'd be very surprised. But you know, the man of the moment, Stu, <laughs> the man of the season, if anything, the one who you know, in a Virgil Van Dijk kind of effect, has kind of changed everything around. Ruben Diaz, my God, what a display! It's as if there was a magnet in his forehead um, for the football because it just blocked absolutely everything.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure a magnet would attract a football, Dan, but I get where you. I get where you're <laughs>
1: Right. Maybe there was a bit of metal in the ball as well. And then the magnet was in his head. If you want to get re scientific about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, people people keep making this Virgil van Dyke comparison, but I, I watched his, his post match interview for TV and it struck me more of a Vincent Company comparison. You know, City have talked about needing a replacement for Company. For and they went that full season without him. And we saw what happened. Now on the pitch. He's got he's got the attributes that company has got. You know he's he's good on the ball. Uh, he's smart uh, in terms of defending, but he's got that that will to win. You know he he, he competes for everything. He fights for everything. As as he said, you know he, he throws his face in in the, in the way of shots. But then you see him off the field. You know this is a 23 year old man who's come to Manchester to a foreign country, uh, to a big a big club. You know that are competing for for major major prizes. Outside of his homeland during a pandemic. So he's had all the lockdown and, and all those issues to deal with as well. And he's just slotted straight in. Not only is he is he organizing the defense, he's leading by example. He's he's made he's made a huge difference. But then you see him off the field and he's he's talking in perfect English, uh, and he's saying all the right things. You know, he's talking about the team ethic. You know, everyone's going on about him as an individual, but he's talking about the defense as a team. Uh, you know it's, it's not about him it's entirely about the team uh, and he, he's just he seems to me we, unfortunately because of the lockdown I've got a chance to get to know him on a on a one-to-one basis but everything you see of him he just comes across as having that that same sort of statesman-like quality that company had you know you point a camera at him he'll say the right things he'll say the right things in the dressing room and he he just you know he, the other players fully appreciate him he's he's, he's got a great understanding with, with john stones and i think he's brought the best out of john stones as well you know some of his some of that uh competitive element has rubbed off on stone but he's also uh, they're organizing the defense between them as well and it, if he doesn't win both player of the year awards this season there's something badly wrong you know you can his main competition, you're talking about Bruno Fernandes at United. No, I'm sorry. You know, he just has not had the same impact. Good player, but he's not had the same impact. His, his main competitors are from City. You know, Gundogan has been excellent this season. Kevin De Bruyne he's, has had big moments. He's, he's not been as consistent as he as he can be. Uh, you know, and, and Phil Foden as well has made, made a late charge. But for me, you look at right back across the season from day one up until last night, Diaz has been absolutely immense, and no other player in the Premier League, possibly no other player in Europe, has done what he's done. And he's played game after game after game after game, non-stop. It's an incredible, incredible run that he's on. You just wonder if he can keep it going, because if he can, you know, you're talking about an all-time legend of the game, not of Manchester City.
1: We all know that City have like a leadership team of like five players and you know, with Aguero leaving in the summer and Fernandinho's future still not um, kind of set in stone. It'd be no surprise if like, Diaz is moving into that group of five players this summer and I imagine he'll be the number one candidate to take the armband when Fernandinho um, does kind of leave the club. Um, but no time soon when he look after his performance on Tuesday. But yeah, again, what, what did you rate of Diaz on
2: uh, Tuesday night? yeah he was uh he was immense i think you raised bruno fernandez i think Diaz has had that impact that bruno fernandez everything you could say about fernandez at united this sort of transforming the mentality of the time of the club has has been true of Diaz. except Diaz is doing it for a team that's going to win the premier league and champions league so like rather than a team that isn't going to win any major trophies so You know, again, there's no comparison for player of the year, really. Um, He's just been, he has been immense since day one. And from his first few training sessions, players were saying this guy acts like a leader and club staff were saying this guy acts like a leader. So I'd be surprised if he was made captain sort of anytime soon because City like to do it on seniority and experience and you've got Kevin De Bruyne who's just signed a big new contract behind Fernandinho but as he's shown this season you don't need to wear the armband to be a leader and he is you know the the beating heart of that very very good defence
1: um, Stu is there any other players you, you, you want to kind of give a shout out for the performances I thought, again another one I thought Gundogan was absolutely excellent in the middle um, kind of He's not his goals going far, might have deserted him a little bit in the last few months, but he's still such an important player in that middle of the park. But I know you were very impressed with John Stones and and again Fernandinho.
0: Yeah, I mean, John Stones, terrific. But yeah, Fernandinho for me was just, I mean, he was the one surprise selection. It wasn't that big a surprise when you look at it because, you know, Rodri played 90 minutes at the weekend. So you kind of, we kind of, you could have kind of guessed really that this Pep had that in mind. And he turned to the experience of Fernandinho, and that paid off big time. You know, uh, I mean, what a player he's been for City. I've, I've just been writing a piece about this. We talk about statues. You know, we talk about Vincent Kompany getting a statue and David Silva and Sergio Aguero. But you look at, you know, he's been he's been at City for eight years now. He's he's now captain them to the mm. brink of the Champions mm. League final. Uh, and he's, he's, his contribution this season isn't just what he's done on the field. And when he's come in, you know, he's not been first choice, he's been second choice. But because of the rotation, he's been stepping in and he's been absolutely superb on the field. Uh, but then off the field, we know that he was, uh, as a captain, he, he took took it upon himself to organise a players meeting on New Year's Day, which, um, which basically a few home truths were told, you know, Laid it out that this is not Manchester City. We're not. We're not doing what we need to be doing. And uh, you know, they'd already started a winning run by then. But they went to Chelsea after that, one three one, and have never looked back. So you know, his, his influence off the field is, is is incredible. But on the field, I know. Um, I think Jermaine Genus on commentary was talking about how on earth has as he managed to get through this game without being booked because he's so smart. He's so street savvy. You know, he pushes it right to the very limits in terms of tactical fouling. Uh, we saw, he knew what he was doing when, when that Angel de Maria went off the pitch to get the ball. You know, he, he just teased him a little bit by going too close. And de Maria turns around and kicks out, red card. And that, I mean, the game was on its way to being over, but that pretty much clinched it. You know, there was no doubt about it once that had happened. And then a few minutes later, you know, PSG were clearly intent on kicking lumps out of city and maybe trying to get a reaction out of them as well so the referee could level it up and zinchenko very nearly bought you know the inexperience of youth and we saw Fernandino literally physically grab him and maneuver him out of the situation you could see him shouting calm calm you know and he, he's probably saved yeah. zinchenko from uh, from being banned for the final because if he if he'd have got a red card that had done something silly you know, he's out of the final and that would have been a tragedy for him and it would have been a blow for the club as well. So his contribution is just incredible. He's such a smart player but he's such a good player as well. I mean, I've just finished writing a piece about this. I and mean, he we think you know, we've got this stereotypical view of Brazilians as being oh. fancy players you know, even at City, they have Alano and oh. Ed Rubinho, who are great to watch but the ability to club around them no you don't. Fernandinho has got both sides. He's got that Brazilian side, but yeah. he's got an English, you could even say Ukrainian mentality, because that's where it was honed. But he's, he's, you know, he's a warrior, but he's a warrior who can play football and bike, can he play. And those two things together have made him one of the outstanding defensive midfielders of Premier League history. And if he lifts the trophy, I suspect he might pass it on to somebody else if they go to, when they go to Istanbul. But if he lifts the trophy, it'll be, uh, you know, a, a, crown, a crowning moment of his City career. Sorry, this might be a bit of um,
1: an easy question or a simple question, but like, this has been the pro you know, Abu Dhabi's kind of, the Abu Dhabi group's aim since they bought City was to get to a Champions League final. And how big of this is a moment for City as a club? Like I would say, first... A first Champions League final, it's not something that can be overlooked, I don't think. This is like a massive, this is like the final step for City kind of really finally establishing themselves as one of, <laughs> I am not this is probably um, a lauded term now following the actions of a few weeks ago, but one of Le- Europe's leading clubs, inverted commas.
2: Yes, um, you know, you can win as many Premier League titles as you like and that will be the, the bread and butter for the players and the trophies that sort of, Mean the most, but um, there's no doubt that the Champions League has been identified for for years and years as the Holy Grail for City, and they've always fallen short. And you know, winning a Champions League can uh, catapult you you, as a club um, and sort of the awareness of of the club far more than than any amount of domestic trophies. So, in terms of the appeal of the club and the sort of growing support of it, Champions League has always been and is, you know, the one that they they really, really want to win. Um, and I think that kind of showed when they last got to a semi-final under uh, Manuel Pellegrini, and they, they went out with like a really limp defeat to Real Madrid in the semis. Um, and the the chairman's annual interview at, at the end of that season, you know, it wasn't like, oh, great, we reached the semi-final. He, he was unusually critical of, them all for the way the manner in which they went out because it meant so much to the hierarchy for them to to do well and put on a show you know not just compete and win but show everyone watching you know what Manchester City are all about and you know it, it's fantastic that City has a club have made the Champions League final but they will also be so delighted with the fact that they've won it playing this amazing football under Guardiola. Because you know they want people around the world to know this this team and this club. They want that to be synonymous with you know beautiful and successful football, and uh, and they, they've never been closer to that dream. And, uh, and Stu, from a fan perspective, Stu,
1: you know, the, the Etihad was sadly empty last night, apart from, um, I think, medical um, medical paramedic staff were, some of them were City fans that were enjoying the evening. You could certainly hear a cheer when the full time whistle went. But, you know, the City fans were there welcoming the team in. They were there seeing them off when they left after the game. Um, it's kind of heartbreaking to think the, the, the party that would have been in the Etihad at the final whistle, the receptions that the likes of Aguero would have got when he came in and Foden when he went off and stuff like that. How does. They're finally there after four years of the most bizarre exits to the Champions League. But do all them defeats to Monaco, to Lyon, to Liverpool, to uh, Tottenham, do all of them kind of make it worth it for how good this moment is now, even though they can't be there to celebrate it?
0: Yeah, it is a shame. Uh, I mean, I think last night could have been the night that City fans finally fell in love with the Champions League. They've obviously had a bit of an ambivalent relationship with with the Champions League because of, you know, the the... the Perception that UEFA uh, has had it in for them um, doesn't want them at that top table, so they they've sort of you know if you've asked City fans in recent years they would always put the Premier League as a top priority. They want to win the Champions League if they can because they want to win everything. But uh, you know a lot of them are a bit have been a bit dismissive, and obviously you see them booing the the anthem uh, whenever they are in the ground and it gets played. But I think that I think I think that's upset some of the. People at City, I, f- I think players and the manager enjoy that. You know, we're we, we John Stones talking about how much he's enjoyed Champions League moments when he was a kid and growing up with it. You know, the the music and everything else is 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 part of that. So I, I think Pep has sort of wanted them to to get involved and to sort of fall in love with the uh, the romance of the Champions League, if you like, uh, and they've resisted that. I, f- I think they might well be getting there now you know, hopefully plenty of them will be able to get to the final. I don't think it's going to be a full stadium in Istanbul, but, the, you know, the, the, be, the restrictions will be lifted to some degree and some of them will be able to go. So um, I hope the, the tickets go to the right hands, which are, you know, City fans who deserve to be there, who've sort of been through the mill over the last 20, 30 years or whatever, who've seen the hard times as, as well as the good times in the last 10 years. But, yeah, I mean... it, it it would have been lovely to to have to have had the players and the fans celebrating it together. Moments like that bring the club together. And it's just a shame that City fans have been locked out. It's a, such a together club, you know, in terms of the squad, the way the players get on together, the way that the staff who support the players and the wider staff, the ground staff and the people who work in the offices and, and everybody else. It does feel like they're an entity, you know, they're, they're all in this together. And Guardiola's tried to engender that. Um, it's, it's been a big part of what he's tried to do at City and it's just a shame that at the moment the fans can't be a part of that because it is something special that's going on
1: uh, And of course a big well done goes to Scott Carson who will be going to his second Champions League final <laughs> 16 years after his first and be- could become the only the 18th player to win um, a Champions League medal at two different clubs so he's certainly landed upwards Any fair play to him um, But yes, I know the final like we know on Wednesday who they'll face whether it be Chelsea or Real Madrid personally I'd quite like I think City of the beating of Eva. obviously Chelsea won't beat them in the FA Cup semi-final a couple of weeks back but that was a team that you know is basically for lack of a better word City's second team out there that day who I think I'd rather have I think City of Madrid has got a real majesty about it, a real interesting final. Obviously, City Chelsea is a match we've seen so many times this year, so it'd be a bit more interesting to see a bit of a different one. But again, I think they've got the beating of either side. Si. Who do you think would be a
2: better team to have? And are City going to lift it? They're going to lift all big ears? <laughs> I think they'll be favourites whoever they play. Um, I think they would be stronger favourites against Chelsea because Real Madrid have still got that pedigree and they've still got this spirit where you seem to write them off all the time. And um, they just keep on coming back, you know, they were never going to win La Liga this year and suddenly they're right up in it and they were looking dead and buried in the Champions League. And, I mean, they nearly didn't make it out of the group with, um, it was that fantastic group, one of it? it? was Shakhtar and Inter and uh, and Gladback, which they eventually emerged from. It, it felt like a huge win last year when City did beat Madrid uh, home and away in the last 16, but last 16 is different from a final so I, I think you know if I think Real Madrid would be a better final for the neutrals um I think it would feel more of an achievement for City if they did beat Real Madrid than if they beat Chelsea but you know if they do get if Chelsea gets to the final and City beat and no one's going to care that it, it's only Chelsea rather than Real Madrid because you know as as has been said the Premier League is 38 games it's Nine months of graft, and the best team in England will will win it. The best team in Europe doesn't necessarily win the Champions League, but you can only beat the teams that are put in front of you. And I think when the quarterfinal and semifinal draw was made, it was pretty clear that City were in the tougher half of that uh, draw. They had Dortmund, and then either PSG or or Bayern Munich, so last season's champions and, and finalists. So they've they've had it tough, and the final, whoever they play, will not be an easy game because, you know, Chelsea are much better on the 2 as well. So, I, I, I don't think it matters. Um, I think whoever they play, City have shown that they have the mentality, they have the quality to, to beat them. So, it will just be, can they turn up on the day and play as they know they can? Um, same to you, Stu. Who do you want to see um, City face in the final? And are, are
1: they
0: going to win it? I think Real Madrid would be, it'd be the, the pick just because it feels like a, a Champions League game, you know, playing playing Chelsea or something. I mean, they're playing Chelsea on Saturday, for goodness sake. You know, we play Chelsea all the time. Playing Real Madrid in the Champions League final, it's rather over stuff, isn't it? You know, they're, they're, they're the team who, who won it 13 times. They've, they've got it sort of imprinted on the DNA and it will just feel like a, a proper European night rather than an all-English affair. I agree with Simon in that the problem you've got then is that Real Madrid will raise the game on the night because... They are Real Madrid, and they always do in the European Cup final. They feel like they belong. They feel like that trophy belongs to them. And, you know, it doesn't matter how ordinary they've been during the season. They will will raise themselves up. I'd still take City to win, because I think City, in the mood they were in last night, will beat anybody on the planet. And I also think that the results they've had, you know, doing that to PSG, beating them with something to spare, to be honest, uh, and also going beating Borussia Dortmund in both legs, beating Real Madrid last season over both legs. I think these results have, have all added to the mentality at City. They now, you know, there is no doubt that they feel they belong at that top table. They belong in finals. They belong in in beating Real Madrid and the, in beating Barcelona and beating PSG. And I, I think that will carry them forward in the seasons to come. I think that's something that, you know, they, they badly needed. If they win this one, I think they'll take some stopping in the years to come. Uh, and I think they will win this one, as long as something doesn't go badly wrong. I mean, they've had lots of luck in this competition, which they haven't had in previous seasons. And you always need a little bit of luck. And I, I think everything has come together. And it, it, if if things go the way they should go...
1: Well, we've got just over three weeks until that final. There's some Premier League games... In the meantime, but we haven't really got time to discuss any of that today. You know, City's 2 0 win against Crystal Palace on Saturday, which featured an amazing goal by Sergio Aguero, kind of had to be kind of put to the wayside after City's kind of uh, monumental result on Tuesday. But next week, we'll come back to that. We'll discuss uh, the Chelsea match in which City, um, City could have wrapped the Premier League title up with a victory. I don't, I'm not sure quite when United play, if ever again at the minute. Um, but hopefully, we'll get some news on cities, you know, Premier League title and Champions League winners, made out. Or would it become only the second team to do that, I'm told to say? Uh, the
2: second English team in right. Champions League history
1: well it's certainly going to be an interesting free week so make sure you subscribe to Talking City keep it um, coming uh, wherever you get your podcast from stay tuned because we're going to have a, you know, a, a busy few weeks uh, no doubt when we celebrate hopefully not only just a Premier League trophy but a Champions League trophy as well and of course you can go over to Manchester Evening News forward slash Manchester City to keep up to date with all the matches that are happening Pep Guardiola's press conference on Friday which will no doubt be uh, well hopefully it'll be in a good mood I should have thought yeah keep it all um, keep it all locked there for all your Manchester City news you can get us on Man City MEN on Twitter and Manchester Evening News Slash Manchester City on Facebook. Uh, thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week. Ta